Welcome into a, it's not a special edition, because this is going to be a regular thing, but this is our Buckeye Talk recruiting show. Maybe we'll come up with a fancier name. Uh, Bill Landers from Cleveland.com, here with Ari Wasserman. Uh, this will be mostly about Ohio State football recruiting. I'm sure we'll sprinkle in some basketball recruiting. Um, maybe every other week we'll do this as we get closer to National Signing Day. Maybe we'll, we'll ramp it up and go every week as, as recruiting um, become comes more to the forefront. Uh, but right now with Ohio State still in season, uh, we're going to do this every other week. And uh, we'll talk, a bit, talk about Ohio State football recruiting in a bit. Uh, but first, Ari, I wanted to talk about uh, something you wrote on cleveland.com slash OSU that was up on Wednesday morning about sleeping giants in college football, uh, which I think is a fascinating conversation that doesn't quite pertain to Ohio State. Obviously, we've spent like the last three weeks on our podcast in different ways talking about how awesome Ohio State is. Uh, so this is a completely different conversation about completely different programs, programs across the country that, in our view, should be much better than they are for a myriad of reasons. Um, recruiting, obviously, being chief among them and, and kind of the thing that ties this whole thing together. Uh, so before we talk about that and, and dive deeper into it, I guess, why don't you kind of lay out the premise of what you wrote on Wednesday morning, and then we'll talk about it a little more. I don't want to take all the credit for the idea because this all started when we were in the car on the way to Norman, uh, in Norman, on the way to Oklahoma Stadium um, this past weekend, and uh, we were talking about why does Oklahoma recruit so well? And, of course, they've got the history and the facilities, and they send players to the NFL, and Oklahoma's a traditional power, so it's not that big of a mystery. But if you've been to Norman, there's not much going on. Yeah, there ain't much going on. I mean, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice town, but it's not... We were driving through to the stadium, and like, yeah, I thought to myself, why would why would any college football player want to come here when Austin, Texas, University of Texas, is another viable option, and when I'd imagine a much better place to live. So then we took it a step further, and we thought, started thinking about, and I don't know if this is a particularly new thought, but the idea of where would you want to go to school? And I think that the two prime things about you know recruiting and, and where you'd want to go to school outside of history and the NFL, which are two big things, which is why Oklahoma's good, are location and recruiting territory. So the first one that came up was Arizona State. And I am very familiar with Arizona State because I grew up in Phoenix. And I, for the life of me, can't understand why a place that is located in a vacation spot that has a campus that's almost as big, or I think it's very comparably sized to Ohio State. It's a very large university filled with beautiful women from Southern California and Arizona, which is a factor. It's funny to say out loud, but it is a factor for young kids to go to a school where there's a lot of beautiful women. And I think there's a lot of beautiful women at every college. That's college. But they're a little bit of a different breed in Phoenix. (laughs) Um, They've got a cool stadium that was just recently renovated that's built into a mountain that overlooks Tempe. It's on the outskirts of Scottsdale, Arizona. Um... They have cool uniforms, um, Sparky, the old school logo, uh, you know, the devil with the pitchfork. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily 100% educated on what their actual facilities are, like in comparison to the way that maybe Ohio State's Woody Hayes Athletic Center is, but, you know, it's a college Division One program. And like uh, in the conference, they play in the Pac-12, and, you know, they're located conveniently to California, where Los Angeles has enough talent to basically fuel, I think, 10 programs if they all recruited it the right way. Um so why does Arizona have one conference title uh, in the past, since 2000, almost 16 years, going on two decades? Um, they played in the for a national championship in 97, as Ohio State fans recall. Um, they would have won a national title had they beat Ohio State in the old system in the 97 Rose Bowl. David Boston ruined that for them. But I feel like they were on the verge of being very good. And I'm thinking to myself, if they had the right coach, 
who could keep the best players at home in Arizona. It's not a very deep, t- talented state, but Christian Kirk. Um, and who all, who's the other one I'm forgetting? They went, both went to – Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. Both went to Texas A&M in the same year. Why aren't they going to Arizona State? And it just makes you wonder, if they had the right guy, could Arizona State be – and when I say sleeping giant, I don't mean win the Pac-12 once every 10 years. I mean like be a perennial power that competes for a title. And I know that – you know, you might be getting ahead of yourself because USC is down. UCLA is another one that we're going to talk about and appears on this list. Colorado, Washington, these are all schools that kind of fit the same type of category. Not can't have six perennial powers in one conference. But I feel like Arizona State is just in a location and in a situation where it should be better. And I went to the University of Arizona. That's a basketball school, and Tucson is not Phoenix. So I think to a lesser extent, Arizona also belongs in the conversation. But Arizona State seems to me like the place that has it all but can't sell it at all. Yeah, I think there are, you mentioned we're going to talk about some other programs, and some of the programs we're going to be talking about have been good, um, and I think are viewed maybe not so much as college football powers, but certainly somewhat respectable programs. I think Arizona State it might be the perfect example of how are you not good. And that's why they led the story. I mean, half yeah. the story, I mean, it was an 800-word story and 350 words about Arizona State, because the, the, the bill is not teams who are underachieving. That's a different conversation, right. um, and Bill and I spoke a lot about this before I wrote it. We, we kind of brainstormed, and there were a lot of programs that were brought up that we'll get to, but the other programs, I guess, just off the top of our head right now, when we're talking about that, high, might be in a position where one day, if everything fell into place and they got the right coach, could potentially be a national college football power. The five were Houston, Arizona State, Rutgers, Maryland, and UCLA. Yeah, um, And those were the five. And the only reason why Houston is in that mix, I think that it was impossible to consider any school that is not in a Power 5 conference, but we included Houston because of location. And I disagree with that a little bit. I think we can talk about that in a second. Okay. But. Yeah, we'll get to that. I didn't want to put anybody in there. UCF was a popular yeah. one that should have been on the list, but that's not a Power 5 conference, so it didn't make my list. So when you disagree, you can tell me I'm an idiot about it. Um, but each one of these schools seemed to have a niche or a certain situation that if things broke their way, they could be competing at the highest level. Now, Maryland and Rutgers are in a really bad spot because their division in college football is just ridiculous. But I think we should go through each one uh, really quickly, um, and I'll tell you why. First of all, Rutgers has a terrible name, and Doug and I and Bill were talking about this at lunch. If they were New Jersey State Devils or the New Jersey State Knights. Jersey State. Jersey State. Sounds like something in He Got Game. Um, but, like, it'd be a good name. Lockdown, New Jersey. It's one of the top talented states in the country. It's in the New York market. New Jersey is a cool place to be. Um, I think their stadium's a little bit weak, but they're doing renovations to their facilities under Chris Ash, and they seem to be headed in the right direction. If one day they could recruit New Jersey, maybe they would be a notch above what they are and maybe surprise some people. Because even when, like, and Ohio State fans will know, Greg Schiano was at Rutgers. Rutgers was, and he gets a lot of credit for sort of turning around that program, but Rutgers was only a a national story, I would say, really for one season. Um, Rutgers was still an afterthought. I mean, they were winning eight, nine, nine games a season, but they weren't a BCS contender for the entire time Greg Schiano was there. They were kind of one year. And what conference were they in? Big East. So that was a Power Five or a Power Conference at the time, but not really in the same yeah. context of the way that they're important now. I think that Rutgers is in a situation where it shouldn't be terrible. It's a joke right now. And Chris Ash is just beginning. You never know what he'll do. Okay, so let's speed this up a little bit and just get through the other ones. Maryland has the Oregon East comparison. 
It's near DC. It has cool uniforms. If they have that new facility built that is like Oregon's and Nike, Oregon East makes sense. Oregon East in the sense that Kevin Plank, the CEO of Under Armour, is a, uh, I think he's a Maryland alum. At the very least, he is a Maryland backer big time. He is an alum. That's why Maryland has all those crazy Under Armour uniforms like a Oregon has with Nike. And if they build the facility and they're in D.C., they're in a very talent-rich area too. I think that's a common, like people, and I, I didn't realize this myself, when we first went to University of Maryland in 2014, when uh, Ohio State played Maryland, Maryland's first year in the Big Ten, I had no idea that the University of Maryland was so close to D.C. Like it is, it is very it's close. a 10-minute subway and ride unlike from Oregon, downtown D.C. And unlike Oregon, which is in the middle of nowhere, literally. Right. It's very a, hard to get part of the country. A very convenient place for prospects. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day they will get Dwayne Haskins. And when they do, and they can do it consistently, and Stefan Diggs is a thing, because everybody saw Stefan Diggs on Monday Night Football the other night, catching 150 yards passing. I mean, he stayed home, and he's still good. If they could convince Maryland and the DMV area, DMV to UM, or however you want to put it, <laughs> makes sense. Houston. Houston is one located in one of the biggest cities in the country. Guess where? Houston. Houston. Um, they have a brand new stadium, which Bill and I toured before they ever played football. It's really there. nice. You can see the skyline from the seats. It is really nice. It is a, it's not the biggest stadium, but it is a really it's nice stadium. It's not a huge stadium. Um, and they have an ability to recruit Texas, and like Los Angeles, for USC and UCLA, which we'll get to, it's enough to fund, not fund, to create a roster that's competing at the highest level. Houston's biggest thing now, even though they're a dark horse in the NCAA, or in the, uh, College football playoff this year is just that they're not in a Power 5 conference, so they're going to have their backs against the wall the entire time. Houston is a city that is filled with five-star prospects, and it was a huge deal. Tom Herman got one of them, which is like, how? why would you go to Houston? you got Ed Oliver, defensive tackle, who's starting for Houston right now. If Houston does that four times in a recruiting class, what about four five-star prospects? Four, I don't know if I'm going to say four or five well, four's stars. a lot. I mean, four's I'm just saying, like, four's a ton, but like, even, if, even, if they're pulling in, even if they're pulling even, in yeah. one, two, Every now and then there's a crazy year where they're pulling in three or four. You're talking about building the foundation of a really, really good football so team. We put and them that's in, all in your own backyard. So they're in Sleeping Giants because if they are in the Big 12, then maybe that becomes a real thing. Right. And like I'm not going to say that they're awake until Tom Herman stays. Until a guy like Tom Herman goes and doesn't just leave for the first Texas job that opens, or Auburn, or wherever they think that he's going to end up, and that becomes a destination job, then I think there's a chance that that could be. And then UCLA is the last one. And UCLA is fake good. And I wrote that in the story. You think they're good. They play in the Rose Bowl. But they've only won, what, three, three 10-win seasons since 2000? Since 2000, they've won 10 games three times, yeah. It's crazy. I it's think, terrible. I think twice would have been in the last five or six And years. Los Angeles is the most densely, I think it is, outside of Florida, but I'm talking about cities, the most densely populated city in the country for talent. And the reason why I have ASU number one on this list is so they can recruit L.A. UCLA should be, it's in Beverly Hills. And I think that their facilities are a little bit behind. I think it hurts that the Rose Bowl is not on campus. And if you've been to L.A., you know it takes about an hour to get from Pasadena to UCLA's campus because of traffic and everything. And I think that that's maybe a little bit of a hindrance, but there's no reason why UCLA with the uniforms, the resources, the location, they shouldn't not only be taking 10 top players out of uh, L.A. every year, but they should be recruiting nationally. And I, I, I don't know, I'm not saying go to Florida and Texas and everything and take, but they should be able to draw some people from certain areas. Yeah. So this is the sleeping giants. And you're in Columbus, you have 
And let's just talk a little bit about Ohio State because we have Ohio State listeners. The reason why Ohio State doesn't have to do this, even though Columbus, Ohio, is just a gorgeous place to live, <laughs> um, they have tradition, they have facilities, they have the coach, they have the NFL, they have the history, and they have the culture. And, you know, and a reader brought this up today in the comments section of culture. And the thing I wanted to ask you, Bill, is do you think that culture is something – the way culture exists at Oklahoma. Yeah. The way culture exists at Ohio State, the way culture exists at places that aren't necessarily in beautiful places like Pasadena or Scottsdale, Arizona, or other places. Can you create a culture with the right coach at a program that changes the way people view that? Or once you're a power, it's just about how good you were in 1950 and then you're cemented in. No, I think you can certainly create a culture because you have to look at like, if you rattle off the top 10, and we don't have to do that, but if you rattle off the top 10 programs in college football, uh, I don't know how many of them are in major metropolitan areas. Columbus might be like the best city of all those. Austin, Austin, but all, I mean, but, Austin, yeah. Texas is like hell, hell much larger than Columbus is. Austin, I think that Texas. they're very comparable, but they're still still a city. But Tuscaloosa, like, Tuscaloosa Alabama, Alabama is not one. If you, if you can blink and miss Tuscaloosa, Alabama, when you're driving through the town, there's not much going on. I mean, I mean, Alabama football is huge, and it is king in the state but of you're Alabama. Right, your point. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is not a town that I would call desirable if I am a seventeen to nineteen year old kid. Trying to pick where I want to spend the next three to four and years of my life in college. That's how this whole started. It's right. All the same Norman's time. the same thing. So culture's huge, obviously. And culture culture trumps a lot of different things, um, especially location, like we just said. But I think you can create that, certainly. Tom Herman is doing stuff at Houston that hasn't been done in that program probably since it's existed. It was good when Kevin Sumlin was there, and it was good when Arb Riles was there. But this feels like another level to Houston football. There just seems to be a larger spotlight on that program. Uh, and because of that, Tom Herman is sort of able to get his message out about what he wants his program to be. So I think if some of these other programs we've been talking about, Arizona State, if it got the right kind of dynamic head coach personality in there, that and, and culture is kind of an, like it's a cliche thing, but it is an important thing if you're a high school football player. You want to know like what you're signing up for. Maybe it doesn't matter so much the fans, but this is sort of the way you're going to live your life for three to four years if you're a college athlete. So I think it's important. It's something that can be created. It's not something that be, can, can be created overnight. Um, but I think it is – we can talk about these programs that are sleeping giants. Uh, one of the things that is holding them back, and maybe it, we're not giving it enough credit, is the culture of their program and, and the culture of winning that just doesn't exist at these places. Okay, so five honorable mentions. North Carolina. Basketball school, school, but Durham's a cool place. Awesome uniforms, amazing facilities. Have competed at the highest level, and I feel like they might be at their ceiling right now. UNC? UNC. Yeah, I'd agree with uh, that. But it's in a Power 5 conference. I'm not necessarily sure how deep North Carolina is from a recruiting standpoint. Ohio State has recruited North Carolina players. Um, there are players there, but they also could seep into the DMV, Virginia area. Mm-hmm. And they're locally, I mean, they're Tide, drivable. Tidewater area in Virginia. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, those baby blue uniforms are pretty cool. Arizona is the same reason for Arizona State, except to a lesser extent. Arizona's a basketball school, two sons, two hours further. If you want to drive from Los Angeles to Tucson, you have to go through Phoenix. There's no easier way to get there, so it's just a two-hour drive longer of a visit for an L.A. kid to go to Arizona than it would be to ASU. Washington. Seattle, Washington. I don't think that there's a lot of Washington State high school prospects, but they are a cool uniforms. Stadium is on the Pacific, and um, talk to a few assistant coaches, and I think they'll tell you. To go coach game there is a pretty cool site. It has a really good environment, probably an underrated environment because it's in the Pacific Northwest and people on the East Coast and the Midwest don't hear much about it. 
I think another thing to consider with Washington is that if Oregon is on some sort of down down slope here, and we don't know if they are, but certainly Oregon's not what it was even three years ago. They might have the wrong coach at Oregon. Right. But there is an opening for a new power to rise up in the Pacific Northwest, and Washington is very good this year. They're ranked in the top ten already. They have a new coach. They have a new coach, Chris Peterson, who had a lot of success at Boise State. Uh, so I agree with you. Washington is Washington might even be past the point that we're talking about with a lot of these programs and like sort of if it strings like another season or two, like the one they're having now together, that they're like in this conversation already. I mean, and this is a perfect segue to Colorado. Yeah. Because I think Oregon might have ruined those two. Yeah. Because you can't have six powers. And, like, I mean, you, you we're listing off half the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is just located in beautiful places. But if you've ever been to Boulder, Colorado, that would be a really desirable place to go. And, um, you know, they can – they have Denver. Um People from California would go, people from Arizona, people from Nevada. I think they could recruit to Colorado, but I don't think it's possible for Oregon and Washington. I think it can only be one of the three, mm-hmm. and I think that's been proven. So if Oregon does start slipping, I, I find it hard to believe that they will because Oregon uh, has been such a thing, and most of the kids will identify with Oregon and the Nike stuff that, you know, Oregon's been a thing long enough where the next seven recruiting classes are still going to identify Oregon with high-powered offense, cool uniforms, and the facilities. Yeah, and even if they do, if, if it turns out that Mark Halfridge isn't the right coach, um, Phil, Phil Knight. He'll figure it out. He'll, uh, he'll throw some money at Oregon and get the right guy in there. Okay, and the last one's Oklahoma State. And the only reason why Oklahoma State is in there is because the richest man on planet Earth, basically, is a big backer there. But it's possible that Oklahoma State, being in Stillwater, Two programs that are already in there. There's just so much going on in the Big 12. They might be at their ceiling, too, because they're not a terrible program. They did lose to Central Michigan uh, this year, but they're not. A, maybe being at the edge of the top 25 is the best it can get. That's why I didn't make the list, but they have cool uniforms. Their stadium's nice. Very I think nice the facilities stadium. are unreal. Mm-hmm. I think the facilities might be top 10 facilities in college football because yeah. of what the money that Pickens has thrown uh, at that program. So they have the infrastructure, but I don't think that you can overcome in the recruiting territory, but it just there's too many things going on, I think. So I didn't want to put them in the top ten. Or I mean in the top five, but they also got honorable mention. A few other programs that I just wanted to spitfire at you real quick. Boston College was one that I was considering because I think that Notre Dame has the whole Catholic thing. Notre Dame has tradition. They have culture. Boston College doesn't have any of that. But I didn't know if it was possible to recruit a kid to a major metropolitan area like Boston using the Catholic in, and maybe you don't go get the five-star Catholic kids, maybe you get the three-stars. I think it's possible. I, I mean, Boston College is never going to be Notre Dame, obviously. I'm not saying anything crazy by saying that. Um, Boston College could certainly be better than it is. They were winless last year, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're terrible. They have Steve Adazio there now as a head coach. Probably not the right guy. I don't know who the right guy is, but I think the, the Catholic identity of that university, being probably the number two Catholic university in the country behind Notre Dame, uh, would be a big help. They are an Under Armour school as well, so they can get a little funky with the uniforms if they want to. Uh, I think a major, major thing holding them back is that they are in Boston, and Boston is a pro town, and there's a lot going on in that city to distract people away from caring about Boston College. Um, but I think they could be better, certainly. Cincinnati. <sighs> it's kind of the same deal. I mean, it's not it's not a pro town to the extent that, that Boston is, but there's a lot going on in this state that draws attention away from Cincinnati. If Cincinnati's in the Big 12, it's another story. But we were just down there, and we heard from people, high school coaches in the area, who said that Cincinnati has to be good or else no one's going to care. So Cincinnati needs to win games. Um, I don't know if Tommy Tuberville is the right guy, but they need to string together, I think, some winning seasons to really gain some momentum to get support in their own area. And the only, the last thing that we'll, we'll close this out, and then we're going to take Ohio State football recruiting questions that we got on Twitter. Uh, again, Ari Wasserman here with Bill Lannis, Cleveland.com. There is an omission on this list. There is nothing from the SEC 
on this list. So the one fringe one, and we've written about this in the past, is Kentucky. That's an interesting place. It's a basketball school. It's located conveniently near Ohio. They recruit Ohio. I think that they're putting money into their facilities. It seems pretty nice. When we, I mean, we were in Mike's, I mean, excuse me, um, Mark yeah, Stoops' Mark office Stoops. two years ago doing an entire story about this. So we're familiar with, with Kentucky. But is it almost just, are there just some Mission Impossible places where Lexington is just a basketball town and nothing will ever change that? Yeah, there's a ceiling in Kentucky. And maybe we haven't seen it. Um, I think Kentucky, if you think about what James Franklin did at Vanderbilt, the few years he was there, he was winning eight, nine games a year. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to believe that Kentucky couldn't be that and, and maybe on an off year compete in the SEC East because the East is not as good as the West. But Kentucky, I don't think, is ever going to be a player to win an SEC championship. The West Division is just too good. There's too much competition for the best players that Kentucky wants to go after, and it's a basketball school. It's never going to be a football school. Um, so there's a ceiling there. Uh, it can be a little better, but I don't think it's ever going to be a legit year-in, year-out power football program. Yeah, I, I think that they are, they're doing their best, and I think they've tried everything they possibly can. Maybe Mark Stoops is not the – I feel like charisma is so important for it college is. football When we're coaches. talking about this, it is for sure. Yeah, you can't – I mean, you can come in – if you want to be hired at Alabama and come, like, come replace Nick Saban, you don't have to be peeling paint off the wall, screaming at people, and be Mr. Personality because you already have everything built in. But if you're trying to build a program, got to have personality – Got to give the media a reason to cover your program. And uh, Mark Stoops, I don't think, is giving anyone that reason right now. It seems like such an easy thing for yeah. people to realize, and it just isn't happening anywhere. Yeah. So it's funny because Michigan had all the tools that it needed, but Jim Harbaugh is doing that stuff still. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's kind of like the perfect combination. Uh, facilities, everything you could possibly want. History, culture. Hit, yeah, and then plus a head coach who is not shy. Yeah, who, who will live his life in the limelight and bring even more attention to your university. So the reason why we are going to finish with the SEC is because there were a few SEC programs that we thought, or I thought, building might be good for this list. And I think the number one program I was going to pick is Georgia. Georgia is extremely different than every single program that we've mentioned so far on this podcast because Georgia wins 10 games every year. It's a tough game in the SEC. Athens has the history and the culture. The Bulldogs are a thing. But the reason why they got some consideration for this list, in my opinion, was that they are seriously the most underachieving program in college football, in my opinion. For a team that has its own spot in Georgia by itself, Georgia Tech doesn't count when it comes to top prospects, and the facilities, and again, the infrastructure that's there, why are they not better? But that is a different conversation than what we're talking about. We're talking about Sleeping Giants, I think that Georgia... Georgia's like a top 15 program. They're already a top 15 maybe program. Top and maybe And they haven't hit their ceiling, though. That's the only thing. But it's not It's not a sleeping giant. It's awake. It's just not doing what it should be doing when it's awake. Yeah, because you can throw a lot of SEC teams into that mix if you want to go down that road. Mississippi um, was another one. Mississippi Ole Miss. <clears throat> I, mean, I, I mean, LSU to a certain extent, LSU should be competing for national championships every year, and it's really not. Um, so it's a different discussion. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, it's a pretty different discussion, um, an interesting one, but not. I don't think it quite fits into this box that we're talking about here with schools that aren't don't even have respectable football programs and should. But it's amazing how many cool places there are. I mean, every, if you're a college football fan, you understand that this sport is dynamically different from other sports because of the pageantry and the traditions and just the cool places. I mean, in the professional sports ranks, it's all the major cities, and they're all basically the same, right? Yeah. When you start talking about college football, we're talking about Boulder, Colorado, you know, and, and maybe a few of those places on our list like Houston and L.A. and UCLA 
are pro towns too, to a certain extent. There's just so many places that have potential. Um, but I just, you know, Tempe, Arizona has pro teams, but it has so much potential. So we're going to stop there. If you haven't read the story, I urge you to go read the story. Um, this was us kind of talking it out, but we'd love to hear maybe we missed somebody. Maybe you guys think that there's somebody on this that should be on this list that we didn't mention. We'd love to have that feedback, and we're certainly trying to be accessible and to have that conversation. So make sure you go to cleveland.com forward slash OSU. The headline is, Why is Arizona State Not a Good Program? Other College Football Sleeping Giants. Go check it out. So now we're going to transition to the end of this, and this is going to be Moving forward, just to stress that we're going to be more Ohio State-centric in this podcast moving forward, but we began this podcast during a bye week, and we thought it would be a good time to maybe check on some other programs. But moving forward, this is going to be a very good tool for you to ask us recruiting questions about Ohio State, and we will discuss specific recruiting Ohio State topics moving forward. Yeah, and I think we're going to... We'll get to a couple because we're coming up against uh, 25 minutes, and I think we want to try to be around 30 minutes every week with this. So Ari, as our uh, resident Ohio State football recruiting expert, I'll just throw some questions off Twitter at you. Uh, this one from Alex Trout at, on Twitter at Alex underscore Trout underscore. Uh, what's the word on Cam Akers, running back who Ohio State is trying to recruit into its 2017 recruiting class? Uh, I think people feel somewhat good about him being in the fold. What do you know about Cam Akers, and, and what do you th- how do you think it's going to play out? What I know about Cam Akers is, is that he's very quiet. Some prospects are more vocal. They're more willing to get on the phone with reporters. He doesn't do interviews, really. So it's been very, very hard to really keep track on what he's feeling because he doesn't acknowledge uh, you know, those feelings in a public setting. So even though you haven't heard his name for a while, that doesn't mean that Ohio State's not firmly planted and cemented into his recruitment. Um, but it's just a little bit more behind the scenes. I think Ohio State's in very good position, and they've made him a priority since the beginning. So Ohio State already has a running back in the fold to J.K. Dobbins of LaGrange, Texas. People were worried that Dobbins was going to flip potentially to Texas, but I think that Ohio State's back in the saddle with him. So at this point, I think that Akers in this class is a real possibility, but it's more of a bonus than it is a necessity. And everything we talk about as it pertains to 2017 should be talked about with the idea that they are tight. We had a podcast about this. We don't need to delve into it. Um, Go back into Buckeye Talk. If you look on iTunes, we have a conversation. We talked for 45 minutes about Ohio State scholarship situation for 2017 and how they don't have enough spots for the guys they want to sign. So go and listen to that um, after you listen to this to get an idea of the situation they're in. Um, Another question, a lot of questions pertain to the quarterbacks in the 2017 class. Ohio State has commitments from five-star Las Vegas quarterback Tate Martell and four-star Ohio quarterback Danny Clark, who's been in the fold for a while. Um, This question from Fez the Buckeye on Twitter, Ari. Do we think Ohio State keeps both these quarterbacks in the 2017 class? I don't think Tate Martell is going anywhere. Tate Martell decommitted right now. That'd be crazy considering how enthusiastic he is about recruiting for Ohio State. Heard that if he hears a name that's been offered, that he's going to go after him. And, uh, you know, he's already decommitted twice. Once was in high school, I think, was the story. So the main concern or the main issue with the quarterback situation is what are they going to do with Danny Clark? And he's been committed since he was a freshman. And he was a huge, big-bodied specimen as a freshman. But I think the general train of thought is that he hasn't improved to the scale that Ohio State thought he was going to improve. And there is some concern that he might not be good enough to play at Ohio State. And in a situation where they are up against it, as Bill mentioned in the scholarship numbers, it is hard to imagine what could happen. Um, He has a huge block O tattoo on his left arm. 
He's been gung-ho about staying committed to Ohio State. He came to Friday Night Lights camp willing and wanting to compete against Tate Martell. He's had that attitude. I think his father really wants him to end up at Ohio State. But I think there's a realistic chance they are going to ask him to gray shirt and come next year. Which will become another issue next year because they have Emory Jones committed from Georgia. And Emory Jones is a stud. And I don't know how much longer they can push it off, but they're going to have to face this problem eventually if it is a problem. And from the indications that I have, I'm not sure Ohio State's necessarily confident in his ability at this moment. Right, and there's going to be, I think we the one thing we've learned about Ever Meyer is that he wants four scholarship quarterbacks in that room. So you're looking at a situation the next year where you'd have potentially JT Barrett if he doesn't leave, Joe Burrow, Dwayne Haskins, Danny Clark, Tate Martell. And we don't know what's going to happen with Stephen Collier, but he is on scholarship and has eligibility I think eligibility it's safe remaining. to say that he's done. Well, that I don't is speculation. It is pure speculation, which I think we need to stay away from when we're talking about this stuff, this kind of stuff. Um, he's still on the roster. He was injured. He's still part of the team. Um, he's been hanging around practice, I think. But there is the potential that they could have six, six scholarship, scholarship quarterbacks. Um, but anyway, we'll see how that plays out. And that's, the, that's the most fascinating part, I think, of this 2017 recruiting class is what they're going to do with those quarterbacks. Um, okay, one final question, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, this is from at Joe underscore Cavs. And we had a really, really long podcast uh, about this earlier this week. Will Ohio State ever be better than Alabama in recruiting for two or three years in a row if Nick Saban and Urban Meyer remain at those two schools? I saw this question. I think the word better is not important. I think they, they should be on par because you can't get much better than what they're doing. Right. Alabama, the past six or seven years, has had the number one class. And Bill's the stat master on this one. How many five-stars comparison between Alabama and Ohio State? In the last three classes combined, it's 13 five-stars for Alabama and two for Ohio State. That is huge. That is huge. Huge difference. But, as you're well aware, since you asked the question, Ohio State has six, six five-star prospects committed in its 2017 class right now. And I think that they are on track to potentially being on par one and two, neck and neck, with Alabama for the years to come. And I think that that is just part of the process and the growth. I think Ohio State, from a recruiting standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, from a program standpoint, is on par with Alabama. Um, and that was part of the podcast. I encourage you to go listen to that earlier this week, discussing whether or not Ohio State's on par with Alabama. We all kind of agreed that they were. Um, we would be willing to dive into that head first if Ohio State is in the playoff or wins a title this year. But I think the way that things are trending, I think it's safe to assume that they're going to be on par with the Crimson Tide. Yeah, and Alabama's best recruiting classes usually have about five five-stars in them. 2017 Ohio State class has six. Putting 18 together, but I think it's safe to say that they are on, on the same level. Unless Alabama does something crazy and goes down and gets like 10, 10, 10 five-star prospects. Which if that is, happens, which is they should just join the AFC North. Which isn't going to happen. Right. One last final question. At uh, JW Snow on Twitter is creating a player in NCAA 14 as a defensive back, and he wants to know what his key attribute should be. Hands, man. Control the defensive back. Play center field. Put the hands up. Get all those interceptions. Yeah, when I was playing in 2014, I just did speed and outran everybody, but I don't know. Well, this is a defensive back, though. You need the hands. What's uh, speed do for you? I thought it was a receiver. I'm sorry. No, I it's a defensive back. Okay, fine. It's okay. All defensive right, hands. Back. Hands. Anyway, more questions about NCAA 14, by the way. Send those in. Uh, every other week, uh, like I said, this is going to be um, every other Friday for the time being. I think we're going to try to do that. We'll come up with a fancy name for it. For right now, we'll call it the uh, Recruiting Show on our Buckeye Talk podcast channel, which you can find on iTunes. Search out Buckeye Talk. You can find our work at cleveland.com slash OSU. Uh, we cover the Buckeyes uh, all season long. Ari delves in on recruiting 
And this is going to be a part of our recruiting coverage now. So we hope you enjoy it. Uh, Leave us comments. Let us know uh, how we can make this recruiting show better. And thanks for joining us this week. Uh, For Ari, I'm Bill. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk.